and welcome back to the Murdy Creative Co. Podcast. I'm your host, Colin Murdy, and today's topic is why genuine leather is terrible. But first, I want to say thank you to everyone who supported the company so far. If you haven't got a chance, go check us out on the web at murdycreative.co. That's M-U-R-D-Y creative.co. Or you can check us out on Facebook and Instagram by searching at murdycreative.co to see the best of our product shots. Follow us, keep up to date with our daily photos to be the first one to know about new product launches. You can also use the subscribe button at the bottom of our website to be included in all of our new product announcements. Be sure to check out our laser engraving, personalization options, and exclusive colors on the website, or you can get a blank one on Amazon Prime. All right, first and foremost, uh, this is not a video bashing leather. In fact, I love leather. It's an important part of our product. It's a great material to work with, but this is a product specifically talking about the term genuine leather and what it actually means in the leather industry. But to properly tell this story, we've got to go back a little ways in time. Back in the 1940s, 30s and 40s, I should say, and even before then, the United States was a major, major exporter and creator of leather. Part of it was because of our early adoption of the Industrial Revolution, and a lot of it was built on the fact that we had a huge beef industry as a big part of our culture. Um, But leather became a very core part of the American way. And one of the major parts of that was built out of the Midwest, where I come from originally. These were areas where cattle were very easy to raise, and there was a lot of them. Even in places like Texas, uh, Oklahoma, a lot of those southern areas, there was still a lot of the tanning process and the meatpacking that happened in this area. Now, part of the reason for that is that beef, particularly, is hard to ship. Animals, cows need to have food, water. They need to have relative, you know, they need to be taken care of even during the shipping process. So, shipping cattle was tricky. You didn't want to do it for a long, long way, and it made sense to pack the meat locally. So there was a balance to be struck, obviously, because you want it to be fresh. And so a lot of the times the Midwest became the center of where the beef packing industry was built. That's why you have people like the Green Bay Packers, which was the meat packing industry. So Chicago, Milwaukee were were areas that beef became a very critical part of the infrastructure, a big part of the manufacturing facilities. A lot of the cows were grown locally. A lot of the slaughterhouses were local. So what ended up happening was the leather industry very naturally sprung up in these areas. Now. This was a great thing. It was a big part of the, the production that we created. It allowed us to do a lot of our local, a lot of the, the quality leather that was made in the United States um, was, was a big part of the, the American way, American culture. However, there was a bit of a dark side to this process. One of the problems with industrial manufacturing of leather particularly is that it requires chromium salts and other types of uh, harmful and harsh chemicals. It's always a little bit like this. Obviously, you know, There are ways to tan leather without using harsh solvents or salts. It's very difficult and does not work on a practical scale for, um, you know, large industrial operations, Um, but it is possible. But for the most part, that wasn't what was happening. And a big advantage of using Chicago and Milwaukee was that there were two large rivers that flowed into Lake Michigan, and that allowed for uh, factories to rise up, leather tanneries to rise up on the river and use the river both for power for shipping advantages to be able to use ship them by boats, but then also for the ability to dump the pollution created by this process into the lake. Now, that's not good at all, and, uh, and that created a problem. Normally, I am a big uh, free trader. I don't really necessarily believe in a lot of heavy regulation, but this particular area is an area where I'm glad that there was regulation. The EPA came in and stepped in and said, um, really around the 70s and 80s, but particularly in 1985, created rules around disposal of those terrible chromium salts that were causing a lot of problems. And what ended up happening was they said, you just can't, you can't dispose of them at all. They have to be taken care of on site. They have to be neutralized and, 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 uh, you know, disposed properly on site. And that's the way it is. There's no exceptions. And uh, it's, 
it created a problem, obviously, for the leather, in leather industry because there was a lot of expense built into that. And particularly by this time, a lot of the leather industry was very well established, which means that a lot of the machines they were using had already been paid off. And so, because a lot of them at the same time had their, their machines were paid off, prices were becoming very competitive. Well, a lot of manufacturers decided they were going to take their tanning overseas. And that is why, to this day, America is number six on the production list. We produce about a little over 6% of the uh, leather that is used in the world. Uh, and it goes USA at number eight with about 6%. And then there's Argentina, South Korea, India, Russia, Italy, Brazil, and at the very top, there is China. Now, a lot of these overseas manufacturers and the tanneries went to these places because they didn't have nearly the same environmental regulations, and many of them didn't have any regulations at all, which allowed them to continue to dump pollution into the local environments. This actually had a long-term effect that was not good, but most people don't know about that. So, first and foremost, before I continue, you need to understand a little bit about the physical makeup of leather, and it matters quite a bit, and once again, it's not something that's commonly talked about. Leather itself has layers, just like any other skin does. There are layers to the leather itself, and they matter quite a bit. There is the top of the leather, which is the very dense, very beautiful thing called the grain. That's the major thing that you see when you think of leather. That's the grain. Then there is the junction of the grain and the corium. Now, the junction of the grain and the corium is still pretty dense, but it has a little bit of that, that fibrous connections. Um, so it's not nearly as uniform in its, in its, its finish, I guess. It's not as uniform in its cross-section, but it does have um, some of that, those fibers that you see in the corium. And then below that, which is the most of the leather, is the corium. Corium is also known as suede. It is that loose, um, strainy, stringy um, type of leather that actually doesn't have a lot of structure to it. Uh, and that also is known as genuine leather. So a lot of the countries that were producing these leathers were doing very well. It was part of the industry at the time, which was called splitting the leather. Leather in itself coming out of a cow is between nine and 10 ounces normally. Uh, I mean, that's the kind of the, the leather industry term. That means that it's between mm, three eighths and a, uh, not three eighths, uh, three sixteenths and a quarter of an inch thick. Uh, is kind of the, the general thickness. That's too thick for most applications. It's too thick and too stiff for most applications. And so they would split the leather. They would create the top of the leather and then the bottom of the leather, and they would sell both to different industries. Suede was purchased for things like shoes, moccasins that you can still buy today at Walmart, or say genuine leather on them, they're suede. And that suede leather, the corium, was a much cheaper thing because there's a lot of it and not a lot of applications can use it. Whereas the more common leather that was used in fancier things was the, the top of the leather, the grain. Now, there are three di distinctive parts of the leather industry, and the FTC, in an effort to create consumer awareness, required that producers, manufacturers, and retailers of leather denote what type of leather it was. So at the very top of the, of the industry, at the very best, think of it as like the very best beef in the USDA grading system, it is the full grain leather. Now the full grain leather has all of the grain, a little bit of the junction of the grain in the corium, and none of the corium. And I'm going to include a graphic, by the way, in, in the comments or in the section below, so be sure to take a look at those if you want to see this in person. So it's got the full grain and then the junction of the grain in the corium. That's full grain leather. Top grain is the next level down. It's got some of the grain and then some of the junction of the grain in the corium, and then some corium. So it's kind of a little bit of all of that. 
Now that can be a good for a good use because with top grain you can uh, get away with a lot of you can get rid of a lot of the imperfections that you can see in the grain because of the nature of the fact that it's leather. So you can correct the grain quite a bit with top grain. But then there's also the the last leather denotion, which is genuine leather. Now genuine leather is the worst part of the leather. It's the corium, uh, also known as suede. Suede leather is is genuine leather for those who are looking for distinctions. Um, and it is not particularly good from a structural standpoint it's not particularly good from a look standpoint and they came up with a couple of ways to correct that there's one other type of leather i should say it's called bonded leather and the way you make bonded leather is you take scrap leather and you run it through what is essentially a wood chipper for leather and you take all of those little bits and then you uh, mix them with like a resin or an epoxy to create like a fake leather um that's used a lot of times in and like furniture and things like that. So uh, it's not, I, I think that's very, that's why they can't call it leather because it's not leather. It has to be referred to as bonded leather. Um, that's not leather either. So don't buy that. That's not good stuff. So the problem with this is this, a lot of these countries were now producing a lot of this leather and they had to follow the rules, but they obviously wanted to, the, the retailers wanted to sell and buy cheap suede leather and, and sell that because it was a lot cheaper than buying the fancier stuff. And so they ended up taking and figuring out ways using, remember this is the 70s and 80s, um, and then early into the early 90s, and even into the early 2000s, I guess I should say, uh, they used a lot of polyurethanes, resins, epoxies to create a fake layer on top of the genuine leather um, to make it seem like it had grain to it, seem like it had, mimic some of that real leather, that full grain leather look. Uh, It's still used to this day, so I shouldn't even... You shouldn't even caveat it that way. Um, they've gotten better about it. And so they've gotten really good at the way of making it look close to real full grain or top grain leather. Uh, but the problem is that it's just not. It, it, it structurally, molecularly, down to its core is not the same thing. Now, you don't necessarily notice that in the first year. You may not even notice it in the first two years. You'll definitely notice it at year five. You'll definitely notice it at year 10. Because what ends up happening is, is that as particularly if it's in the sunlight at all or if it's exposed to the elements, that UV light from uh, the sunlight or anything like that, the resins begin to break down, even oxidization. So whereas genuine leather breaks down, full grain leather takes that and, and gets better, right? So full grain leather, as you infuse it with oils from your hands, as the sunlight hits, it actually gets this beautiful patina and it doesn't have any degradation of its strength. Um, it's continued to be just as strong and oftentimes just as flexible if it's taken care of even a little bit. Um, however, genuine leather that's been corrected via resins and such are almost always prone to breaking down over time. And it's a longevity thing. It's a lifestyle thing. Now, there is a place for, obviously, for genuine leather. There's a lot of cheap, terrible products that, you know, they need the advertising advantage of genuine leather, but they don't want the cost of using real full grain or top grain leather. And so they just use grain corrected leather, which, you know, has its own problems, I think, but it's what it is. But there goes a step further. One of the problems with the pollution that was put into the local environment is that skin, particularly the skin of the cow, became weaker in those local environments. So what ended up happening was is that these tanneries in these foreign countries were pouring the pollution into the local environments. The cows were eating, were eating and drinking from the polluted environments, and then they were having weaker, worse skin. They were having weaker and worse bone density structure. Just overall, they were weaker, sicker animals. And that led to the leather that was coming out of these factories getting worse and worse and worse, and it continues to get worse as time goes on. And a lot of times that requires more and more and more uh, correction via the residents and stuff. So... Not only are you having a 
a, a bad leather to start with for the purposes of genuine leather. Not only are you having not a great substrate to start with, but now that substrate continues to degrade over time. And so it's almost into, I mean, genuine leather and just fake leather is, it's not really, I mean, you can make them look similar or you can make look genuine leather look like full grain leather, but it's not. It's much closer to, to faux leather in many, many ways. So that's where, for us, we always use full grain leather. Beyond that, leather that is made in the United States, and there's only 6% of the leather production is done in the United States, so it's a, it's a pretty rare thing, but we use a local tannery that uses local cows that were from the Midwest that oftentimes were, were raised with very clean drinking water, clean feed. They weren't slaughtered for their leather. They were slaughtered for their meat, and their leather would have otherwise gone into landfills uh, as biological waste, and so our, they, we were able to recycle them into leather that's some of the best quality in the, in the world. I mean, it's truly beautiful leather that we have great control over. We were able to make sure that the quality is absolutely perfect and it's great for our purposes because the full grain, grain leather that we're going to use in any of the products that we sell is, is going to last for forever. I mean, it's, it's so well built. It's so well made. It's so well tanned. And the designs we use are, are specifically designed to take advantage of their strengths um, that there's just nothing to break. There's nothing to fall apart. And that's why I'm really proud that we use Made in USA leather that's tanned locally and is tanned in wooden drums that have been running for 80 years uh, in an, in a, when tanned, tanned in a tannery that has to deal with and comply with the EPA regulations to, to reduce and, you know, eliminate all of its dangerous pollution. So uh, it's something that I'm feeling ethically very proud of uh, that we, we've chosen to do that. But it actually also leads to a better product for the consumers. It is more expensive, but that's the nature of the beast. And uh, it's really going to last for a long time. And that actually leads into the next week's topic, which is our 120 year guarantee, uh, warranty, I should say. Uh, so I'm going to talk more about what that means and what that is. It's somewhat new. Um, we, we've always kind of had it, but we've never published it. So I'll talk more about that on Thursday. So make sure to tune back in. Uh, be sure to check in uh, on Thursday in the morning for our next podcast and be sure to hit that uh, notification and subscription button so that you can get notified right away when we have new podcasts available. If you have any questions or concerns about your leather binder, journal, folio, mask, accessory, anything we sell, feel free to reach out to us on murdycreative.co or you can contact us via Instagram and Facebook. You can call, text, email, direct message, all the best, uh, all the usuals, but I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible, but I do appreciate your patience. Uh, if you do DM us on Instagram, it takes a little longer because I'm the one that answers it, so it takes a little longer to get to those. I do apologize. If you're trying to get to a hold of us in a hurry, give us a phone call. You can call or text us at 414-434-9001. We are available uh, 9 in the morning to 5 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday. Uh, it's 414-434-9001, and uh, we were happy to help, so definitely reach out to us. If you think we deserve it, a review can go a long way to help our, our community really grow. Uh, so if you want to leave us a good review, go to murdycreative.co slash reviews, and you can also read all of our amazing reviews there. But there's a button that says if you'd like to leave us a good review, and you can click on that. It'll take you to Facebook, to our reviews page on Facebook, uh, and you can, it says, do you recommend the Murdy Creative Company? You can click yes and then write your review. We use Facebook mostly because it's a third party, so you know that the reviews on there aren't made up. We didn't, you know, we're not lying. Um, but it is something that that we love being able to read those reviews. They go up on the walls of our workshop, and and we have so many reviews that are good that it just is really encouraging. So feel free to do that if you like our products. Um, if you have a problem with your products, reach out to us. We're happy to take care of anything and everything. It's really a big part of our process that we make sure that everyone loves what they get. So we're happy to take care of you, honestly. Uh, word of mouth is the best form of advertising. So if you want to help the company a lot, tell your friends, 
Uh, seriously, if you want to get a little reward for doing so, although you don't need to, but if you'd like to get a little reward, sign in, log in at the top of our website. All you need to do is log in with an email and a password, and you can get 5% back on any purchase you make as loyalty points to use on our in our store. And at the same time, there is a shareable link that is custom to you in that same area that allows you to share it with friends. They get $5 off their first purchase and you get $5 of in-store credit when you do that. So it's a great way to help the company and help yourself a little bit in the process. And it's really good for Christmas season when you're looking to you know, share with those uh, aunts and uncles who don't know what to get you. Feel free to share the company with them that way. If you have any podcast topics you want to hear more about, send them my way. I am always happy to engage with our growing community and I want to give you guys what you're looking for. So reach out, leave a comment below, send us a uh, a DM or a Facebook message or an email or call us or text us or uh, tweet at us, whatever you do, you know, send us a message, get a hold of us, uh, and uh, I'll do my best to respond to them because I really do like uh, like talking about stuff on the podcast. If you're looking for multiple binders, journals, follows, anything we sell uh, for gifts, giveaways, menus, really any reason, ask about our book discounts available. Book discounts start at five, and that could be five of one thing or one of five things. So it's just based off of the total cart quantity, and you can mix and match as much as you want. So if you're thinking, you know what, let's get all of my uh, my friends, families, relatives, all of them really good quality gifts for Christmas. Uh, you can do that all in the Murdy Creative Company and uh, reach out to us and we'll be happy to give you a bulk discount for doing so. So we really appreciate that. It does help. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Have a great day and goodbye.